Hello and welcome back, Table of Truth listeners. I'm your host, Cameron, a.k.a. Hotep Vegeta, better known as the Well-Informed Hater, here for a new installment called Look at My People. This is a new segment where various members of the Table of Truth panel highlight individuals within our circle of friends to basically showcase that our friends are really, really dope and interesting. For our inaugural opening, we're going to interview Pope Phoenix, one of the original four members of the Table of Truth podcast. Pope is a self-taught art director, illustrator, motion designer, and podcaster who's since taken a step back on a reduced role with podcasting while working on other projects in the meantime. This is our opportunity for us to see what he's been up to and to check out the various projects he's been involved with currently. Without further ado, I hope you enjoy the first installment of Look at My People. And in this corner out of the Bronx, New York, weighing in at about a buck fifty with a full grown beard, full time father, self proclaimed digital mercenary, and mentor to designers on social media. He joins us to speak about his work, his inspiration, and what it takes to be a professional artist while juggling on what we like to call life. The undisputed geek of all geeks in this geekdom, Pope Phoenix. Round of applause. Welcome. <laughs> Yo, welcome, yo. Bro. yo, what welcome, up, man? Welcome. What's going on? Welcome, glad to be bro. back, yo. <laughs> yes, yes. Glad to have you. And of course, Happy New Year. Well, Happy New Year to you too. I don't know if you heard or not, but some people <laughs> say <laughs> Happy New Year up until the first three weeks. <laughs> well, well, hey, rumor has it I like to not say Happy New Year after the fifth day of the new year, opposed to somebody who says, hey, it's still a new year. <laughs> Keep it rocking. So, hey, you know, we're both right. <laughs> Right on. Right on. Well, let's get into it, Pope. How, how you been? Uh, I've been good, man. I've been good. I've been blessed to stay uh, employed through all of this. Everyone's in my family's healthy, and I'm healthy, and uh, I'm just trying to keep things pushing, you know, trying to find some type of normal in all of this. Gotcha. Were you, uh, during the pandemic, were you super busy or less busy? Uh, a little bit of both, man. A little bit of both. Um, uh Busy with work uh, and kids, but uh, not as busy with uh, freelance. I've been kind of focusing on my own stuff most of the pandemic. Okay. Okay. Well, you know, before we get into the meat and potatoes, um, let's talk about what kind of artist are you, like, considered as? Uh, I am considered a digital artist first and foremost. I know what I'm not, and I'm not a fine artist, and I'm not a... uh, I'm not a comic book artist or graphic, uh, not a graphic, uh, concept artist. You know, these are a lot of things I used to try to battle with when I was younger, but I know exactly what I am. I'm, I'm close to a visual artist than anything else. You know? Why, why, why did you choose that like path in, in doing art? Uh, it was, it's something that kind of runs in my family, you know, and over the years, like, my brothers introduced me to comic books and video games and uh, Looney Tunes and Marvel Comics is like the basis of my my art introduction. And as I got older, I just kind of leaned more into it to find where I fit in. And I kind of delved into every version of, uh, I leaned more into design than illustration at first. And then as I got deeper into my career, I started to realize that my real passion was in illustration and not design okay 
And what has been like your general approach to your career as it is right now? Like what's your end goal, where you want to end up doing in the future? Uh, my general, um, my general, you said general outlook? Yeah, your general approach or outlook uh, to your uh, career. Approach, approach. Yeah, yeah. So my general approach has always been stay woke. And uh, not in the, the Childish Gambino version, but like keep an eye on your your industry. Like, what are you doing? Why am I here? Like, what am I doing? Do I like it? Is is my skill set going to carry me forward over the next few years? And how sustainable is it going forward? You know, when I was, um, like I said, when I first started out, I was doing design and designing has changed from when I started back in 94 compared to where we're at now in 2020. And every like five or so years, I had to look at the landscape of the industry and decide whether or not my skill set was able to keep up with what the, what was changing in the world. And technology was spinning so fast, I was switching skill sets every three to four years, you know, between reading books. Like when people ask me where I graduated from, I say the University of Barnes & Nobles because I used to just live in, I used to go to Barnes and Nobles all the time and just sit in the, in the aisles and read books and take notes and go back home and, and try to recreate the things that I, I read just to keep my skills up. This is before the internet and like, like an idiot and shit. <laughs> but things got easier. Yeah. That, that was basically my thing, you know, it was like kind of stay ahead of the game. You know, as far as my ultimate goal is, uh, is a combination of creating products that I can sell for myself as based on that I have complete control over so I can dictate how and why and when they're being sold and how much they're being sold for and uh, moving that into a place where I can continue uh, exploring my passion for teaching younger designers how to survive in this world mm-hmm. and ultimately get to the point where I'm doing nothing because I don't I a lot of my life has been spent working and working other people's schedules. And I want to get to a point where if I'm working, it's because I choose to work, not because I have to work. And that's the ultimate goal. Okay. Sounds like a, a really nice goal. It, it, it almost sounds like you want to be your own boss, but a freelancer and like people call to consult you. Would, would, you, would that be fair to say? Uh, I don't know. Because freelancers are a little different. You know? You're just, like The word freelancer doesn't mean what it supposed to mean it used to mean that you have you're free to lance wherever you want to go you know and lance is basically just like working for people you're that's why i i I say i'm a digital mercenary like i go where the money goes but when you're a freelancer you can work for a company and you you're just an employee without benefits you know like i've i spent many years in a a couple different high uh, very well-known brands as a freelancer and not have any real control over what I can do. I still have to be there 40 hours a week. I have to make sure I'm in the office from nine to five, so to speak, you know, mm-hmm. and that's not really free, you know, as a digital mercenary, like where my goal is to be like, if the check clears, then the project is done. Like where I'm at, who I'm with doesn't really matter. All you need to make sure is that my money arrives, then your project is done. You know, like the gotcha. analogy is, my analogy's always been like, yo, if the check clears and you want that village destroyed, that village is destroyed. Like, <laughs> that's, that's all it is to it, yo. It's just business, huh? It's, it's, it's just, just business, yo. I don't, I don't take any personal, um, there's no personal vendettas. Like, I've been done wrong in this business. Everyone has. But I don't hold grudges because I know what this is about. You know, this is about money. You know, sometimes you get flipped. They flip you. 
Gotcha. Um, what, like, where has your work been like profiled recently or a majority of your career, where your work has ended up? Is it in magazines? Has it been on social media? Can you give us a little bit more detail about that? Oh, uh, and let me add on if outside of those avenues, currently your work is, uh, ending up, would there be any other realms would you like to have your work displayed or featured? All right. Where it's been is I, this is a cliche, but it's kind of been in everywhere a little bit. You know, um, I've worked in every different type of not every, but a lot of the majority major fields. Like I, I've worked in fashion, I've worked in uh, finance, I've worked in uh, technology, I've worked as a illustrator, an animator, a designer, a web designer, uh, uh, UI, um, UI UX. Uh, like anything you could possibly think of, I pretty much designed. I've worked in cartoons, I've worked in animation, like I've done a bunch of different things. So I've had stuff, I've had um, stuff in magazines, like I've been in Essence, I've been in uh, XXL, I've been in the Av, I've been in uh, Hannah Magazine, I've been in um, in my clothes that I've designed, I've been in Old Navy, Target, Walmart, uh, Route 21, I designed stuff for the NBA. Um, I had stuff selling in every stadium in the, in the nation. Uh, I've been on BT. I've been in uh, 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 Fuse. Like my stuff has been in a bunch of different places, and I just I want to expand that over the year um, going forward. Where I would want my stuff to go next is like um, I want to do more more books, more children's books. I want to do. Um, I have plans to do a cartoon. Uh, I have some uh, animation series that I want to do besides that cartoon. Like, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm where I'm at. I'm, I'm right where I need to be right now. But where I want to go is a lot bigger. You know, I want to create IPs. So cause when you have a product that you can you can manage, then you have more power when you go to step into people and talk to them about stuff. You know, if you're just asking someone for a job, then it's just like uh, you, you, you're not begging them, but you're at the mercy of their decision. But if you if you have something that they want, then we're sitting at the same table looking across from each other. You know, and it's like an equal footing. We both got skin in the game. You know, you got to put your money up so I can give you this product or we can both make money on the back. Sounds like a true digital mer- mercenary. Yeah, I'm not trying to like, uh, the idea of working for somebody for the rest of my life has never been my goal. And it's not on some like, oh, I want to be an entrepreneur and I want to like live the American dream. Like that, nah, I want to just be comfortable, man. Like I want, I want to be able to make moves when I want to make moves. And I want to like, if I want to go across the country on Tuesday, I don't gotta, I don't wanna be like, all right, let me see if I can maneuver this money from my bank account and see how my check in is looking. And uh, maybe if uh, my boss gives me the day off, like I don't want to live my whole life like that. Like that's the the previous generation who lived their lives like that, and I'm not I'm not there anymore. You know, I was there when I was younger, you know, for a long time, and then because I have a like real quick history about me. It's like I was I got out of high school. I was working for a nonprofit for five years, and I yes. quit to do freelance, and I didn't know anything about freelance. So then I just I bummed around for like three years doing every bullshit job you could think of. You know, like movie theaters and like construction work and like cleaning up stores and building Dwayne Reeds and working at GameStop. Like I was just doing random shit because I needed bread, you know? 
And then I got a job back in doing design because I got fired from Dwayne Reed. And <laughs> it was oh. like, yo, what, what, what am I doing? Y'all wasting my I'm wasting my, my my skills in my life. Let me go focus on what I really need to do. And when I got back into design, I met a bunch of people from the Av magazine, which was a, a hip hop slash it was a hip hop slash social commentary magazine that came out in the early two thousands and I helped found it and it completely changed my viewpoint of the world. And from there everything has just been different. Like having a job for the rest of my life, this doesn't sound like a good idea. Okay. And outside of your art, are you doing anything else to generate income, especially during this uh, crazy time? Uh, I mean, I'm always doing art, but I'm helping I'm helping my friends run their businesses. Like I'm helping my boy um, Tim Gray run his Gray Wellness. I'm helping him with graphics and designing some of his clothing. And I'm also helping my boy Griffin Moore run the Whiskey Lifestyle which is another clothing brand, you know, and whenever I have opportunities, I'm also helping Kim as a favor and Hannah magazine and all her creative endeavors. So like a lot of my time is like, I used to run like me and Cam, we used to run a, a, a creative consulting company called Random Mortar Media Group, where we was like running, we were helping small businesses understand their branding and how to promote their, their business. And I never lost that the energy but the thing now is like i really don't really want to do too much freelance or like side projects for people like if i'm doing projects or i'm spending my energy i'm doing that to help my people get bigger like i want to help my people get bigger so we can all just live a happy crazy adventurous life you know i want to live a life that people want to talk about when i get when, when i get older when i'm out of here yo want people to remember what i've done leaving a legacy i can respect that mm-hmm Okay, let's let's fast forward to now. Like, can you give us a typical day for Pope Phoenix? Uh, let me see. I wake up, drink some water. I do four and a half push-ups because I gotta keep it tight. <laughs> then, <laughs> then uh, I drink a big ass cup of coffee. Like, if anybody has seen me in the morning, my cup is about the size of the moon. And then I just, I get to work, man. I'm like, you know, emails, I'm checking stuff for work. I'm looking at whatever, I'm looking at my calendar to see what meetings I have for the day. And basically from like, like eight until about maybe four thirty, five o'clock, I'm working on something. Either it's my stuff, my, my nine to five or some type of project, or I'm checking through my social media things. And like around six o'clock, I'm looking at my I watch to see if I completed my rings because, you know, I'm trying to keep my streak going, you know. I, I see that. Yeah. <laughs> For those who don't know, Pope has added me and is running like lap after lap on these ring challenge with the uh, Apple Watch. And so he is moving and he is doing his due diligence. Meanwhile, I'm over here barely getting a standing circle ring. So <laughs> ah, come on, you got, a, you got a new baby, man. Like you, it, 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 you're going to catch up real quick, yo. You Most gonna- definitely. Movement, it's over, yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, shout outs to all those that are uh closing their rings outside of myself. So <laughs> there's yeah. that. So after after I do that, like after I'm like I'm doing I'm doing whatever workout little BS workouts I'm doing to close my rings. Like I'm just trying to chill for the rest of the night. Whether it's like by myself and with my kids, or I'm playing like video games. Shout out to the Xbox. Uh, <laughs> 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 so uh outside of that like I'm, I'm trying to just chill but you can't really it's not like i'm going out 
you know, that's not something that is possible right now, which is sucks because I had big plans for last year, which was completely thrown out the window, you know. It sounds like we all did had some type of plans and they got thrown out the window. I definitely yeah. can empathize with that. Um, within your field, mm-hmm. like, are there anything your uh, issues you are apprehensive about? And if so, how do you work around that? Uh, a lot. The biggest issue for me has always been like, uh, like price and stuff, and asking for money that like really constitute what my value is, you know. And and I'm not gonna sit here and be like, yo, I got that drink mastered because I haven't. But I am. I've been learning a lot about just being more confident in what you believe, you know. And it's. It's tough because in, in my industry and probably in most industries, like you, they keep telling you you're not supposed to talk about money to your friends, you know. And honestly, I think that's dumb. Like, how do you learn if you don't talk? You know, we got to figure out a better system for that, you know. And what I've been I've been learning and I've been doing is I've been asking for an exorbitant amount of money whenever people say ask me for something, and they go, ah, that's too expensive. I can't do that, but I can do this, you know. And it'd be more than what I was asking for. Or like, uh, it'd be more than what I thought I was going to get, but I asked for more and they came down to where I really wanted. So we was like, we're both happy. We both feel like we're getting over, you know? Mm-hmm. And the thing is, you can't be afraid because some people are afraid that if you ask for too much money, you're going to lose the job. And the real, the real, the gag is, as they say, like, if they really want to work with you, they'll figure out a way. You know? If you, yeah. any, if, like anything is like if you want to you see a baddie and whatnot and she's giving you even the ounce of play that you think you could do it you're going to figure out a way to make it work it's the same thing like if, if somebody wants to work with you if you if they think you too much they'll figure out a way to make it balance so they can get that job done i hear that brother and to segue you you consider you have a certain style where do you get your inspiration to draw in that typical pope style from uh, cartoons, man. Like when I was younger, that's all I I grew up on. Um, a lot when I was younger, I started drawing by basically just tracing over Marvel comic books. You know, I think and, we all did. <laughs> Trace all <laughs> and, and when I got to um, when I got to high school, like I, I went to uh, art and design here in New York, and we had to like really put work in. So I had to study more different like different type of artists and like. While we were looking at like famous fine artists from the, the dead centuries ago, like I was always just drawn to comic books no matter what. So a lot of my early influences was like uh, Jim Lee, Eric Larson, um, Arthur Adams. It's like especially uh, Walter Simonson, like all these, except for Jim Lee, but the other three artists have a very um, angular, like thick line style, especially uh, Eric Larson. Like I, I used to, his Spider Man run. I I still have all of the drinks in my in my my little comic book collection because he was my favorite artist at the time, and a lot of my style is based around his work, his line work, the angles of the, uh, the arms and the legs, and like pointy muscles and thick lines and thin inner lines. That's a lot of where my work comes from. And as I got older and I started doing, I got more into vector art. I started to try to create more of a, um, like my style now is like really focused around trying to find a balance between basically trying to try trying to make my digital art look organic 
you know, and because when you start using vectors, like if you look at a lot of vector art, like, you know, when you see vector art, it's always super clean. It's like it has a certain type of edge to it, uh, but you can see it. Now, I always want to try to make sure my work is starting to lean in places where it's like, is that vector? Did they paint that? Is that drawn? Is it like, did they do that in Photoshop or is that just clean vectors? Like, I want people to wonder because in, in wonder, it makes them like fall into the work even more. You know, and now I'm starting to lean more into like textures and like some new stuff I'm doing is like a little different. Like, and the biggest influence on my work right now is photography, believe it or not, is like I study, I study a lot of photography, like high contrast photography, because that's my favorite. And I've been following this one photographer named Vincent Peterson, Vincent Peters, who is just amazing. He does like all these like celebrity portraits, but his lighting is just this is unbelievable. I just, I just fall into those pains and I just don't even know what I'm looking at after a while. Just trying to try to figure out ways to mimic that in, in my medium, you know? Interesting. Very interesting. I, I, I dig the, the choices you've made and how you got to where you refined your style. Um, let's talk about the, the platform of choice. Do you prefer to work with and what are the advantages do you feel from using that certain type of platform to create your art? Uh, currently, I use uh, Affinity Designer as my main um, program that I work in. It used to be Adobe Illustrator, but as I said, like I was um, when before the pandemic, like I was traveling all the time. Like I have three kids, and one of them live in, used to live in Brooklyn, so I was always on a train. And at one point in my life, which is crazy, is that like I I, I added it up and I spent almost twenty one hours a week on a train by itself, like almost a whole day, once a week on a train. So it was like, if I'm going to spend that much time on a train, I might as well get some work done while I'm there. So I bought an iPad and I spent like a month or two months searching through all the different vector apps to see which one would work. And I stumbled upon Affinity Designer and I just never looked back. It's comparable to Illustrator in almost every way. And Every time they come up with a new update, they like get closer and closer to where Illustrator is right now. Okay, and you mentioned you work you work on Affinity. Um, most recently, you just had a recent workshop uh, talking about the I'm assuming the Affinity, and mm-hmm. we want to know what is Affinity and how did you discover the the Affinity apps? Oh, yeah, I was just I, well, I just explained that part, but yeah. how I found it. Um, Affinity Designer is a suite. Affinity is a suite of programs that are created to, it's basically like an alternative to Adobe. Like the biggest issue that Adobe has right now is that people, um, they charge a subscription for their product, which used to be really expensive. You know, like now it's like um, for the full suite is $600 a year, but it used to be like if every version it came out with was like $3,000 or like $3,200. Yeah, it's it's super expensive, yo. So, which is why we all just bootlegged it back in the days. But, um, <clears throat> so, uh, <laughs> so Affinity is um, the counter to that because it's it's a one-time purchase. Um, you can buy the entire suite for like $150. And it's three, it's three products right now. They have um, Publisher, which is comparable to InDesign. Um, Photo, which is their Photoshop version. And it, it has Lightroom effects where you can uh, manipulate photos. And then it's designer, which is like their vector app and vector slash drawing app. Affinity Designer um, is the one that I use. 
and that has vector and also has pixel a pixel version where you can like draw and you can paint and you can do like it has these ill brushes and stuff it's it's a very um in-depth and flexible system they have so that's why i use it interesting and it sounds like affinity is the choice for a lot of people in your realm yeah, I mean, it's coming around. Is is it becoming more popular, and a lot of more people are switching over because money's tight right now. So it ends up being like you're spending sixty bucks a month on on Adobe, or you can drop that once and have one of the apps. So people are starting to like do course man, uh, course management, course management benefit. You know what I mean? That cost management sounds okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, sounds fine by me. Yeah. Um to wrap up your art part of your career, what are the most important characteristics to succeed as a professional artist? Uh, the most, the way to be successful is like, you gotta have, hold on a second. Let's take a quick pause. I need some water. I'm sorry. Uh, this is where we play elevator music. <laughs> uh, to succeed, as an artist nowadays, it, it takes a lot more than just being dope. Like I see people who are like fucking amazing artists, yo, and work for huge companies, but they don't have a following, you know? So they are successful where they have a career, but it's not really expanded outside of that. So the really the best way, what I would say is like hone your skill, right? And while you're doing that, you got to build the following. But the following isn't just like having 10,000 followers on social media. That's not important. The important thing is really having a following of people who support your work, who are in the industries that you want to be in. Because for me, and this is this is what I say, like I, I always say, like, take no advice. And with that said, here's some advice. So do whatever you want with this advice after what I say it. And it's like, for me, I've never, I've never gotten jobs just sending artwork in, you know, that's just never been something I've been successful at. But every big job I've ever gotten is because someone was like, yo, this dude is dope. You should talk to him. If you put me in front of somebody, I'm going to get the job. That's just plain and simple. When you look at my resume, it may be like, oh, this guy's just another artist. But if I sit down with you, like you're going to give me a job. And that's part arrogance, part history, and this part who I am. Like, I, I can sell shit, you know? Mm-hmm. So, and over that time, I've built, I've built a reputation at every place I've gone as someone who does what he says and lives up to the promises that I present people. You know, and when you have a reputation like that, it's hard for you not to grow as you keep moving forward, you know, and that goes back to the skills. Like you increase your skills, you increase your, your, your network, you bring it back to the skills and you, and you keep building on who you are in these people's eyes and it becomes a circle and you keep growing. Like I have people I haven't talked to or worked with in years that pop up like, yo, I got this job. Are you interested in it? Yo, it's like two weeks for you to break this out. It's for a couple grand. Yo, what's good. Like, that's the, and that's because of the, the the history that I've built over the years. Like it's skill, it's network, and it's who you are as a person when you're on those jobs. You gotta you gotta hone all three of those things in order to be successful. In my eyes, some other, some people may have a whole different 
outlook on it, but that's what I believe. There you have it. That is a true gem that Pope has dropped for all you aspiring uh, artists out there. Take heed, listen, rewind that this part of the footage or this tape and re-listen to what he just said. Good, good knowledge, Pope. I appreciate that. Um, before we uh, tie up loose ends, we want to talk about your uh, time as a podcaster. Um, how and why did you get into podcasting? Uh, so, me, the way in the cam started uh, the Table of Truth back when uh, podcasts weren't really that popular. We had uh, we spent a lot of time telling people what podcasts were, but we did it because. Um, we were just trying to figure out a lot about life, you know, and we were, we felt like we had these really great conversations between friends, you know, as we were like exploring the world. Uh, we all come from different types of backgrounds, you know, and uh, we were helping each other understand different aspects of life while also like uh, falling face first into hilarious situations and scenarios. You know? That first season of Table of Truth, man, like, we got in a lot of trouble with a lot of people because of the shit that he was talking about. Would, would, you, would it be fair to say the, the first season of The Table of Truth is like watching Married with Children in the beginning seasons? Like, uh, you, you couldn't watch Married with Children right now and get away with half the stuff they're doing oh, back no, then. That's season two. Like I went back and listened to some of the shit that we were saying in season two, and we would definitely get canceled really, really quick, yo, because... Um, not not just because the the time has changed. That was a decade ago, yo. Yeah. Know? And uh, the way people take information now is is so different. But I, I still stand by everything that we've done in on those on those shows. Like it was it was honest for the time, you know, and it was honest for us. And I'm not I'm not gonna walk back who we were at that time. That's just who we were, you know. Yeah. It was great. You... We... Go ahead. No, I was just saying it was it was it was uh, we did a lot of great work in those episodes. I was going to say, how long have you been involved with the Table of Truth? Uh, since since day one, uh, twenty ten, we started this. You know, and, you know the difference between uh, Table of Truth then and Table of Truth now. It was uh, a lot more personal. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's that's one thing I do miss about those old podcasts is because it was. Uh, like they were real, just like straight up conversations. Like now we got a little, like even back when when I was doing this like full time, like it was more of a, we had like a, a program, we had set things that we were going to talk about. Like we had segments, you know, we had like final words and all that stuff. Like final words came in like the end of the first season, but really it was just like, it was what we had originally pictured as. It was like a fly on the wall of three friends having a conversation. And that's basically what it was. It was just us getting together, talking about relationships, um, uh, work stuff, family, um, movies, music, and all things in between. You know, it was it was always just like great, funny, relatable conversations. And we used to pitch it to people when we, we run into, like, especially women, when we had bars trying to pick up women, because that's what we did back then. It was like... <laughs> <laughs> we'd be like yo we got this podcast and it was like um we it's a, a great insight to see how men think and because it was and it wasn't like we didn't really do a lot of political stuff back then and but we was really heavy into relationships and trying to figure out 
how to survive this strength, you know, because we didn't know nothing from nothing. Shit yeah. And you know, it's funny, uh, you kind of answered my segue into the question of like, what do you think uh, has changed about podcasting? But that's from a personal view from the table of truth. What do you think has changed about podcasting in general from when you guys started to up till now? Like when you listen to your po- like podcast outside of the table of truth? Uh, it's um, very clean. It's, it's almost like a, it's a product now. You know, everyone, everyone's a content creator. So everyone is trying to create the most clean, most perfect example of whatever it is that they're doing. And uh, you can see it, you know, like they have these great, this great music. They have these like super clean mics. Yo, you know what we did when we, when we first started doing the table truth? We had no equipment, yo. We didn't have mics. We didn't have this computer set up. Yo, we used to take uh, my or Cam's iPhone and stick it in the coffee cup fit a mic up and put that shit in between us and we would record that shit in a coffee shop, yo. While people walking by, like, bums coming in accidents for fucking money, like, all type of random shit happening. And, like, now it's like, people hear that and it's like, yo, this shit sounds mad unprofessional. Because it was super unprofessional, but it was super real, yo. And now, like, everything is dumb clean. People in studios, they got, you can buy a podcast kit now and, like, and I'm, I'm listening to myself talk and it's like I sound like that old guy. It's like, oh, this fucking the shit has changed. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, it, w- it was funny how like I remember sitting in on one of those sessions back in the day when it was in the coffee shop. But it's funny because you talk about how you guys kind of quote unquote guerrilla uh, style approached it in the beginning days of the Wild West, Wild Wild West of podcasting. It sounds like our friend Ant, who we always have make fun of who always comes in sounding like he's from uh, he's recording from like a satellite from the third world so it sounds like he's still is keeping true with the original way of how we used to record but mm-hmm. uh it, it podcasting has come a long way and uh i personally when, before i jumped on i've also witnessed you guys' growth as a uh team they're from the original team standpoint um with that said is there any advice for any podcasters trying to get their podcast off the ground uh nowadays or just in general because it's it's a little different like in general i would say like uh have a story like have a reason why you're doing it and not just to do it because it's it's a popular thing to do but i feel like that with anything that you're doing you know and uh like i like i've been talking with my boy ed like of course you know who ed is about this like video game podcast and we've been going back and forth about the format and I'm just like, yo, if we do it, I don't want to just do it and end up being just another podcast. Like, the world has enough podcasts. Let's, let's do a spin on it. Let's make it a little different than what everyone else is expecting, you know? But that's just my way of thinking about everything, you know? Well, why are we just going to create something that everyone else has, you know? And the, the spin can't be that we're black. Like, <laughs> that, that's just yeah. not going to do it, yo. You know, so, like, have have a reason why you're doing it and then... Once you have that reason and you have an idea of it, like the systems, like that shit is easy. Like you can go to a website and find out how to do a podcast, you know? But mm-hmm. once you have the story and you have the, the concept of why you're doing the podcast and you get going, like get going, like be consistent, like set a schedule and stay on that fucking schedule and have, if multiple people are part of it, have each person have their own job that they're responsible for. So all the weight is in falling on one person. 
So I have one person editing it, one one person doing promotion, and one person doing like client reach out or like some other aspect of the the podcast. So split it up so everyone is pulling weight. So everyone feels like they're being like uh, overused or, or abused. You know what I mean? It, gotcha. it becomes a crunch. Or like when you hit the deadline, you come to the deadline. You got to do that. You got to edit a podcast. You got to design the covers. You got to and you got to upload it to the site. And you got to work tomorrow morning. Like. You start to feel that, that that crunch, and you like you lose you lose some of the desire to do it. I hear you. Hey, that's another message Pope has dropped for us for you uh, future podcasters out there. Um, I was gonna say, uh, outside of our own, um, are you listening to any other podcasts? And if so, what are your favorites? Uh, I I don't listen to as much podcasts as I should. Um, I keep forgetting about them. To be honest with you, like when I do work, I, I, I like having things in the background. I end up using like um, listening to like jazz music and just have that joint running. But um, when I do listen to podcasts, I listen to like Joe Button's podcast in pieces because I can't listen to the whole thing. It's like three hours long and it's just too much. Yo. And, gotcha. Uh, yeah, he he be yelling, yo. He... <laughs> <laughs> uh, I study uh, motion design from time to time, so I listen to this um this podcast for um called School of Motion. They usually have like all these like really great and like famous or very uh, popular like motion designers or they have animators, they have producers, they have people who um, work behind the scenes and like they have money people on it. They have like a wide variety of people from the industry and not just like one type of person, which is dope because you don't want to, you don't get caught in an echo chamber. You know, you want to try to have like a wide view on as many views as many things as possible so like that one's pretty good and there's another right. one I like too well Bill Burr I listen to Bill, Bill Burr's Burr. funny yeah Bill Burr's hilarious that's that's not a bad one to listen to um yeah. before we wrap it up are there any projects you want the world to know about that you're working on or upcoming projects that's coming out you mentioned something with Ed um possibly in the works anything that the world should be like hey check this out go to this and where can they find you on social media let them know oh uh all right so projects nah everything i'm doing right now is is not ready to to really like to drop yet i gotta wait till that stuff actually hits the hits the streets before i can talk about it Mm -hmm. but um i got a couple things coming out this month um that you should be hearing about in the next week or so um and you can find out about it on um on my uh on, on my social channels which is at, at pope phoenix is pretty much like if if you type my name in you'll find everything pope phoenix uh pope phoenix.com pope phoenix on ig pope phoenix on twitter uh the youtube channel doesn't have a uh actual name yet because i don't have enough followers yet so it's still Eight seven six five four nine VR one YouTube yo. So um, I'm working on that part. Okay. Yeah. But well, it, I have a link to that on uh, on one of my pages. So you'll find it. So sounds good. Sounds like you you got some some good things in line for the people that have been waiting. Pope, it has been a huge pleasure to finally get you on the inaugural podcast at Look at My People. Um. Really dope to hear your story. Um, we hope other people can get inspired from your story and your journey into being a artist and being a digital mercenary. And thank you for being here. You know what, Cam? No, thank you for uh, picking up the mantle and running with the Table of Truth title 
because after um after years of doing this like a few of us have kind of faded in the background and i'm like i'm happy that someone with your integrity and your ability to hate on everything possible has <laughs> taken up <laughs> taken up the mantle to keep this flowing because table truth is something that uh i hold dear in my heart we put a lot of work and, and effort into it in the past and i'm glad that it's in capable hands of you and you and the other cam right on appreciate and josh, it. And josh. Josh right too. Josh. Yeah. Well, the, the the original crew is still there. Um, they, you guys all chopped. Yeah, yeah, you guys, you guys haven't went anywhere. You guys are still in here. So occasionally, we just recently had a pod last year where all of us was there uh, except Josh because he was busy. But it felt like the old times. So that was good to get that nostalgic feeling back. But once again, thank you for coming through. And I want to give a shout out to all those listening. This has been your host Cameron, aka Hotep Vegeta for the first episode inaugural episode at looking my people stay tuned for the next one peace peace